But today, today is, of course, Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving week. Seems like a lot of times we only get to preach about Thanksgiving afterwards. That's kind of our standalone sermon. But the, the way things work this week, this year, we're able to kind of talk a little bit about thankfulness beforehand. And when we really think about Thanksgiving, I think one of the verses that come to mind, the passages that come to mind to us immediately, is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's three verses, 16 through 18, but they're together very short, very short. And it reads this way. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I want you to note here right off the bat, all three of these are important. Critically important. You can't, you can't separate one for the other. In fact, when it says God's, this is God's will, God's will is all of them. All of them. It's not like for some of us, remember that old meatloaf song, two out of three ain't bad? <laughs> I want you, I need you, but there ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. But don't feel sad. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> no, this is not two out of three ain't bad. We're called to have all three. And if we're going to live a triumphant, if we're going to live a, a victorious Christian life, we're going to need all three. But today we're going to focus a little more on that last one. We're going to think about this circumstances that we give thanks through in all circumstances. In fact, the circumstance of that first declared thanksgiving. The, the, the first declared holiday, national holiday of Thanksgiving, really had not much and nothing actually to do with pilgrims and Indians. In fact, it had more to do with war than pie and turkey. We were in the midst of the great civil war. During that year of 1863, several months before, 50,000 lives had been lost in one battle, the Battle of Gettysburg. The northern cities were rioting. And Abraham Lincoln and his wife were still mourning the loss of their 11-year-old son, Willie, who had died the year before in the White House of typhoid fever. And so it, it kind of seems like an odd time, doesn't it, to declare a day for Thanksgiving in the midst of those circumstances. But it was in the midst of those circumstances that Lincoln felt it was necessary to unite the country around thanking God, not for what we didn't have, but what, for what we had. And so it was... About six months after Lincoln had declared a day of fasting, that he issued a proclamation to the nation for giving thanks. I think it would be good for us today to hear that proclamation from 156 years ago as Dennis reads it to us. Washington, D.C., October 3, 1863, by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, we are so constantly enjoyed that we are, which are so constantly enjoyed, that we are 
prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are, so, which are of so extraordinary a value that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed. And harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union, needful diversions of wealth and strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements, and the mines, as well of iron and coal, and as of precious metals, have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege, and the battlefield. And the country, rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor, is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledge, as with one heart and one voice, by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perseverance or perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be, in, may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. In testimony thereof, I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Done in the city of Washington, this third day of October, in the year of our Lord, 1,863, and of the independence of the United States, 88, by the President, Abraham Lincoln. Thank you, Dennis. The words of our 16th President in the midst of a great civil war, in the midst of great trial, in the midst of great 
difficulty. And he calls us to remember the gifts from the gracious hand of our Heavenly Father. Being thankful, giving thanks in all circumstances can be tough. It can be really tough when you're going through difficult trials, when you're going through momentous shakeups in your life. But I would submit to giving thanks in all circumstances can be pretty difficult in our daily living. And just the interactions we have with each other and with our family, sometimes those circumstances, those interactions can <laughs> bring out anything but thanks from our beings. In fact, when this passage was given by the Apostle Paul to those in Thessalonica, you really need to go back and look at the two verses just before then because he's, he's leading up to why we need to, be, to, to rejoice and we need to pray and we need to give thanks. And he's talking about because we live with each other, right? Look, if you will, in chapter 3 or chapter 5, excuse me, verses, the verses before that, 14 and 15. He says this, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other. And for everyone else. I think this is the first time I ever thought Paul was losing his mind. <laughs> Be patient with everyone. Be patient. Did you hear that? Be patient with everyone. I, I, I don't know if it always happens to you, but it always happens to me. I, I go to Subway for lunch. I walk in and there's only one person walking in in front of me. And there's nobody in line. And I go, finally... Finally, this is going to be quick. I'm going to be in and out. And that guy steps up to the counter and he says, I like 14 footlongs. <laughs> all different. Some cook, some not. All different. And I want to pay for each one separately <laughs> because all my coworkers have given me their money. And, and Paul is asking me to be patient with everyone. Now, if you're believing, well, you know, if you read this in one way, it seems like maybe at this point he's talking to just those in the church. So maybe we only got to be patient with each other. But then he goes on there in that verse and he says, okay, don't, don't pay back wrong for wrong. He's saying here, don't retaliate. Don't retaliate. And he says, well, and, and, and we shouldn't retaliate. And then he goes on and says, but strive to do what's good for each other and everyone else. Bingo. Paul's got us now. He's saying, this is, this is, he seems to be saying that we need to live our Christian lives out in the world in the same way we do in the church, doesn't he? He seems to be saying the way we interact with those who don't know the Christ needs to be with the same respect and dignity and, and love that we do when we're with each other and offer them the same patience. How's that possible? How's that possible? Well, it's possible because he says right after that, it's possible when you're rejoicing always, when you're praying continually, and when you give thanks in all circumstances. Normally when we look at this verse, I kind of usually tend to, to focus on that all. 
that all circumstances. And you know, you know the, 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 how it goes here. I say, you know what the Greeks, the word in all for Greek is? It's all, you know, it's you know, it just, that's the way it goes. It's all circumstances, everything. We're supposed to give thanks in them, not for them, but in them. But this week, I, I kind of got stopped before that. And I started looking at that word, thanks. You cut a steo. You cut a steo. Maybe you recognize that word. This, this word thanks is more than just somebody opened the door for you on the way in today and you said, thank you. <laughs> or somebody picked up their shoes or clothes off the floor in the house in their bedroom and you said, thank you for doing that. This is much more than that. This word is a deep gratitude. That's why it's used as the Eucharist, our, our deep gratitude for what Christ has done for you. This word is used many times in the New Testament, and it's always as a directed to our Heavenly Father. It's always directed to God as, and it's saying, Lord, I am in gratitude for what you've done. It's beyond thanks. In fact, the root word that this comes from says to be mindful of favors. To be mindful of favors. When we sit back and we say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done, for how you've blessed our nation, for what you've done for our family, for our church. Some have said that gratitude is appreciating what one has as opposed to what one wants. You know, we're thankful when we get something. We're thankful for that gift. We're thankful for that, uh, that appreciation. We're thankful for whatever we may have received. But gratitude, it goes a little beyond that. We tend to be thankful for what we have. We tend to be grateful to the one who gives. Are you grateful to the giver today? As I noted before Dennis read, the proclamation for that Thanksgiving day was given approximately six months after Lincoln had declared a national day of fasting. And in that declaration or that proclamation of the national day of fasting, he said this, we have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all those blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue on our own. Remember, this is 1863, not 2019. We have forgotten God. The country had, was less than 100 years from its forming. And yet Lincoln is saying we've already forgotten God. It's easy to forget God when things are good. When we've grown in numbers, wealth, and power. But that's no surprise to God. In fact, all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 
Moses was talking to the Israelite people. They were just about ready to go in to the promised land. He was just about ready to turn the reins over to Joshua. He was going to say, you're going to be crossing this river and you're going into a land flowing with milk and honey. And he says this, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands and his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Seems to me like Lincoln was taking a line or two <laughs> from Moses. If we were writing today, we might say this Thursday, after your belly's full, and you sit down in that lazy chair to watch the football game on your 60-inch screen, LED, smart TV, in your cozy, warm house how easy it is to lose that sense of gratitude, to lose that sense of thankfulness to the one who has provided. He says, be careful, be careful not to forget. And then he, then he in this passage, he describes what not to forget looks like. Okay, he says in here, be careful not to forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you. Failing to follow after him, failing to obey, failing to give him first place is the same as forgetting because most of us just don't forget, forget. You know, we may not think of God that often, but we don't forget him. So we forget him by our actions. We forget him by basically treating him as if he doesn't exist. His laws make no difference. His word is, is inapplicable to us. And he's saying the way you show your forgetfulness is by not following him, by not obeying him. And he says that leads to a proud heart. Lincoln said that leads to that disillusionment that this is all because of my hard work all because of my strength, all because of my brilliance is why I have what I have today. Lincoln and Moses would both tell us that's not the case. <laughs> that's not the case. It leads to proud hearts or as Lincoln said, deceitfulness of our hearts. What we should we do? Well, right at the beginning of that verse, he says, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. As you eat Thursday, um, remember that. After you've eaten and are satisfied, give praise to our God for the land he has given you. That's the first step. The first step in not forgetting. When it comes to gratitude, um, you could probably learn a lot from a man I was introduced to this week. His name is Dr. Robert Emmons. Now, Dr. Robert Emmons is widely accepted as the foremost expert in the world in the science of gratitude. 
Now, silly me, I didn't even know there was a science of gratitude, <laughs> you know? I, I can imagine if uh, one of our children had come home from college and said, hey, I'm changing my major. Uh, I'm going to major in gratitude. <laughs> um, I'd have said, not on my dime. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? But Dr. Emmons, who is this expert in the science of gratitude, says this, gratitude is the recognition that life owes me nothing and all the good I have is a gift. Life owes me nothing, which is so opposite of what we tend to think at times. Life owes me this. I've put in this, therefore I should receive this. But in gratitude, if we're really going to have a true sense of gratitude, it's that life owes me nothing. Everything I have is a gift. It's interesting. Dr. Emmons is, uh, works through University of California, UC Davis, does a lot at UC Berkeley, not exactly known as a conservative bastion, but he also does a lot of work for Biola University, uh, small Christian conservative college in California. He's done work with Young Life in helping them to study the impact of Young Life ministries on their youngsters that go through their program. And so he comes at this with a spiritual uh, leaning as he, as he says this, all the good is a gift that I have. In 2008, he wrote a book, Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Make You Happier. And he says this, grateful people experience higher levels of positive emotions such as joy, enthusiasm, love, happiness, and optimism. And that the practice of gratitude as a discipline, as a discipline protects a person from the destructive impulses of envy, resentment, greed, and bitterness. How are we at practicing gratitude? Because a warning Dr. Emmons also says this about ingratitude. The lack of gratitude is contagious, and it's passed from one generation to the next. Like the flu. <laughs> and you've probably noticed that. I've noticed that. It seems like if, if I know somebody that's really a crab, crabby person and complaining person and a negative person, I look at their home and usually find a, a, a parents and others around them that are complaining and, and, and crabbing and all that kind of stuff. Dr. Emmons says the greatest example of this, the greatest example of ingratitude and, and the impact that it has is actually found in Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, you probably remember the story. There were 10 lepers, 10 men with leprosy. And they, they were saying, one day they knew Jesus or saw Jesus coming into their midst. And so they did what they were supposed to do. They didn't come up to Jesus. It says in, in chapter 17 there, they stood at a distance and they yelled out, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus didn't do anything but say, okay, go and show yourself to the priests. 
which is what you would normally do if you had been healed. If the skin disease had gone away, you would go and present yourself and say, here is evidence. And then they would put you in like a quarantine and, and make sure that that evidence, that that, that that skin is really healed. And then once it was healed, you would be declared able to enter back into the community. And so he says, go and show yourself to the priest. And says, as they were running, as they were running, they were healed. It says, the Bible says they were cleansed. And you might know that story because in the midst of it, it says, as they were running to show themselves, one, one turned around, ran back, fell at the feet of Jesus, cried out in a loud voice and said, thank you, thank you. And Jesus' answer was, Jesus' answer was, weren't there 10 of you? <laughs> Weren't there 10? Where are the other nine? And you know, when Jesus was saying that, it wasn't that Jesus needed that stroking of being thanked. It wasn't Jesus saying, oh, I didn't get my thank you. <laughs> you know, it wasn't any of that. Jesus knew the value of a heart of gratitude. Jesus knew the value to that individual and to us when we're not just thankful for what we get, but we have a deep gratitude to the giver. In fact, he turned to the man, he said, your faith has made you well. He said, your faith has, some said, has saved you. There's something, there was a greater work that was done because of his gratitude. What kind of hearts do we have in gratitude? How seriously, the question is how seriously does God look at us in our ingratitude? I think it's pretty scary actually. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 2. Look at these words. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, uh, ungrateful, ungrateful, unholy. You might not want to go on and look at the rest of the list. It includes treacherous, rash, without love, slanderous, conceited. Being ungrateful gets wrapped into a lot of ugly stuff, doesn't it? Ungrateful. I think Jesus seems to be taking it, Paul seems to be taking it pretty seriously. So how much thought do we give this morning? How much thought do we give to our gratitude? How much thought do you give to your thankfulness and beyond that, your gratitude to God. When I was doing some research, I, uh, I happened to come across, I was looking at Biola University's website because Dr. Emmons had been there and I got to their tab on giving. It was amazing, when I clicked on the tab of giving, there was a, there was a picture of the president of the university there and the title of his, the report was their 2018 gratitude report. 2018 gratitude report. 
And I started reading through all the things that they were grateful for. I thought I liked that. I walked down the hall and I saw this wall that you see in the hallway going down back to the cafe during youth explosions. But the youth wrote on there their praises, what they were thankful for. And, and you walk by there and read that. You say, that is so good to express. So this week, I thought, I want to practice my own gratitude report, but I want to do it with some others. So I, I got a hold of the elders, and I got a hold of the staff, and I said, send me something that you're grateful for, you're thankful for regarding Friends Church. So what are you thankful for? What, what in your heart is grateful for this church? And, and this, the last couple of days, the answers just started filling my inbox more than I could ever begin to tell you. I picked out the top 10, at least my top 10. They were ones that mentioned the, law, the most, or else I said, oh, that one's cool. First one is for our rich heritage. Grateful for the rich heritage of this church. For the long-standing and grounded faith of Friends Church. Number two is we are so grateful for the many hardworking volunteers. Long hours and sacrifice. What goes on in this church could not happen without you. And we're more than thankful of what gets done. We're grateful to you for doing it. Thank you so much. We're thankful for the deep generosity of this church. It's amazing. Anytime there's a need, all we've got to do pretty much is stand up here and say, there's a need, and you rush to meet it. That's wonderful. And I want you to know the elders and the staff deeply appreciate and are grateful for that. Uh, we mentioned also this incredible building. Oh, we could mention the 90-some HVAC units or whatever that go in and they, they fall apart and stuff and, and all the things we see. But, you know, the ministry that happens daily in this building with hundreds and hundreds of kids, the opportunity to reach folks for Christ because of what he's given us in this building. How about the community, the friendships, the family that we have here? I would encourage you, if you don't experience that, find it. We're grateful for it. We're grateful for Just As I Am, our ministry to those with special needs. And Just As I Am Junior, what a way to share the love of Christ with families. We're grateful for the small groups that are there. So many that we establish community, but also we grow in our faith, challenges us spiritually. This is from the staff. Uh, we are very grateful for the wonderful encouragement that you give us. Thank you so much. We, 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 we are grateful for that. Number nine, we're grateful for the prayer warriors. We're grateful for the prayer warriors. And these aren't any numerical number orders, one to 10 or anything. We're grateful for the prayer warriors. But I did save one for number 10. We're very grateful for the diversity. We're grateful for ethnic and racial and all of the, and the diversity that makes up this congregation. But we're also grateful for the age diversity, the generational Diversity, the multi-generational aspect of this church where we can learn from each other. You know, it's interesting. That is overlooked a lot. 
In fact, it's, it's something that um, it's almost looked down upon. In some, it, 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 this is from one article I read. It says, generational difference is one of the final frontiers where identity-based stereotypes, prejudice, and put-downs are allowed to run rampant and even expressed without shame. You know, you don't make fun of somebody because of their, their race or their ethnic background, but we seem to have battles going on between generations. I'm grateful for a multi-generational church. I'm grateful for a church that's, that's becoming anti-generational. I don't know if you've seen, like, we've been talking about some of the things that are in the news, but there's a, there's a new catchphrase, there's a new meme that's going around, and it's going around by, from some of the, the younger generations, Generation Z and Millennial, and it's, it's called, have you heard the OK Boomer? Yeah, I got a, yeah, OK Boomer, OK Boomer, have a terrible day. <laughs> And it's an, it's an evidence, I've been reading and reading about this, it's an evidence of some of the strife between the generations. And it's so sad. It's so sad. And I don't really blame the Generation Z who started this on TikTok of, for this because so many of them are being told they're snowflakes. So many of them are being told you're, 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 in fact, listen to this. One of my, I'm going to use this in parentheses, one of my friends on Facebook Someone that I grew up with years, 50 years, 60 years ago, and, um, and I'm acquainted. He's not in this area, but he posted this on his Facebook yesterday. He said, this is the whiniest generation. They might be the most pathetic of all American generations we have ever seen. And I think, how destructive, how destructive, how sad. I don't know. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for our young people. I'm grateful for those that are coming up and are going to be taking leadership. These are some of the brightest, some of the most intelligent, some of the most creative people to be involved in ministry. They are some of the people that are going to be leading this church sooner rather than later. And I encourage you, don't speak ill of the young generation if you're a boomer. Don't speak ill. They're talented. They're great people. Get to know them. Don't write them off as a category. Just as we prefer not to be written off as an okay boomer. <laughs> Intergenerational ministry of this church is, is, a, is a blessing. Is a blessing. So I end with this question. What's on your 2019 gratitude report? What's on your report? As you think about today, if you had to write five things that you are grateful for, not that you're thankful for, not the things you have, but just a deeper than that, you are incredibly grateful for. What would that be? Dr. Emmons talks about writing a gratitude journal. In fact, he has a book about 21 days to, to increase your gratitude and through a gratitude journaling. And he says this, he says, in studying adults with neuromuscular disease over a 21-day period, those who kept a daily gratitude journal said they felt more positive about life, had higher energy, felt more connected to others, and were optimistic. They also stated they had longer periods and improved quality of sleep. Well, that's not really surprising because Proverbs says basically the same thing and Proverbs 17, 22 says a cheerful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart is good medicine. This week, I encourage you, take time, write down, consider 
what's your grat- what, what you're grateful for? Because James 1.17 tells us every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Would you stand with me in closing? We go today and we go out Oh, probably maybe some of us for a few days of work, but then probably a lot of us for a time of enjoyment, time for family. But you just heard, read today, the reason for the day. We have forgotten God. We have forgotten the blessings of the hand that gave us all that we have. We have forgotten the hand that has provided And I encourage you, take time. Write out your gratitude list. Write out your report for 2019. Be thankful in all circumstances. So it might not be the circumstances, but it might be what you learned. It might be what God taught you. It might be the change and transformation in your life because of what you walked through. But be grateful. Be grateful. Let's pray. Father, as we go today, Lord, lead and direct us into an attitude of gratitude. Lord, help us to get rid of that thinking that we did this, we built that, I made it, I earned it, it's mine. And help us to remember that that perfect and good gift came from you. Lord, help us to be grateful for what we have and not focus on what we don't have. And then, Lord, help us in our gratitude to be generous, sharing with others the blessing that you've provided for each one of us. Go with us now. Lead us and direct us in the paths that we should take and help us as we celebrate this week. May it be a good week. May it be a thankful week. May it be a week of great gratitude to you for all that you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go and serve him and give him your gratitude this week. You're dismissed.